want to also welcome those who are going to be watching this by video. We have a YouTube channel called LifeGate Outreach TV. For those of you that may not be too familiar with the uh, um, um, social media platforms of the church, we have a YouTube page or channel called LiveGate Outreach TV, all one word. If you search for it, you can find it, subscribe to it, share it with your friends. Everything there is free. It helps you to follow the series as they are being taught. And uh, we also are on Facebook as LiveGate Outreach Center. Three words, LiveGate Outreach Center. If you put that in also, if you're on Facebook, you can find it. And we are also on Instagram as LiveGate Outreach Center, all one word. So we are truly grateful to God for these privileges to have these uh, platforms to reach out to our world with the message that he has given to us. And so I want to welcome everyone who is joining us on the, any of these platforms today, whether you are watching this uh, later today or later in the year or whenever, I want you to know that God can still reach you right where you are. God bless you. Um, I want to just quickly say that we have been on a series of celebrating purposeful gifts and callings. We use these words very carefully. One, we are celebrating because we are glad that God gave these gifts. We see the gifts of people in what they do in their vocation. Last week, two weeks ago, we started by looking at clergy people, people who serve in ministry and uh, people who serve in different aspects of the church life. Uh, as and missionaries as well, evangelists, everyone like that. We see these as gifts. We also, in that week, saw that politicians and those who are in places of administration are also a blessing to the, to the world because without what these people do, we cannot have a world system that is working. Many of us slag politicians a lot, and I know we've gone past this, but I just feel like saying this. Many of us find it very easy to criticize politicians. We find it very easy. And I know that politicians themselves make life difficult for themselves in many cases. But you see, not everyone can, can operate at the realms they operate. Not everyone can run a country. Not everyone can run a family, not to talk of a, a, of a, of a, of a local government, not to talk of uh, you know, a whole country. It's a huge task. You are listening to one million voices at the same time. And you've got to take decisions at times in a fraction of a second. At times, microphone is put in your mouth to say something. One word you say can make, it, it, it can make or mar your, your political career. It's a very difficult thing. You are living in pressure, under pressure every time. So we must continue to pray for these people because they are serving at capacities that not, only, not everyone can serve. We also... Uh, in that week, thank God for administrators, people who work in high positions, particularly in civil service and all these places. And uh, last week, we looked at medical people who serve in healthcare, uh, social services, and also people who serve as doctors and uh, all affiliated uh, positions like pharmacists and so on. We said these people are an extension of God's grace for healing. Jesus said, as you go, Preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Very important. Say, heal the sick. So God's intention is that every man, every woman is healed. Now, part of how God does it is supernatural. The other part is natural. Like we looked at throughout last week. We said natural processes involves things like medicine, administration of medicine, uh, therapies that have nothing to do with prayer per se. 
but has its roots and origins from the same God who desires that men be healed. The devil will never heal people. The devil's work is one or a series of things which is in one phrase to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So anything that will give life can never come from the devil otherwise we make Jesus a liar. So medicine that is manufactured by God's wisdom through man and given to man to administer to solve the problem of sickness is not a demonic thing and is not a devilish thing. It is not lack of faith to use medicine. When you have to use medicine, use it. But what we always promote as people of the faith is for you to be encouraged to understand that there is a higher realm of life where you believe God and trust God for total divine health where you don't have to rely on medicine. It is possible to live there. So this is what we advocate, this is what we preach, and this is what we must always continue to uh, sensitize our world. But every one of these people who practice in these professions are a gift to humanity. And today we're going on, we want to look at another set of giftings in people who educate, educators, researchers, and publishers. When I was grouping these uh, people, when I was making these groups up just so that we can have a common theme, I looked for something that brought different professions or allied professions together in order to form the theme. And when you talk about this group of people, you must use the word knowledge. Everything about them has to do with knowledge. Either they are imparting knowledge, creating knowledge, or printing knowledge, or publicizing knowledge. So that is the word that we want to be emphasizing on today. Now, these people also, as, you go through, as we go through every one of these vocational gifts, what you will find is that every one of these gifts, like we said last week, are an extension of what God desires for mankind. God's desire for mankind is that man is filled with knowledge. Man has understanding. He says, wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of your times. Isaiah chapter 33, verse 6. So God's desire is that man has knowledge. But there is a knowledge of the word of God that we must have. And there is also knowledge of the processes of life that God wants us to have. These people help us significantly to impart that. How many of you can still remember some of your teachers from primary school that you can never forget? Some you remember them for good, some not so good. But then you remember them all the same. Because they taught you things or they gave you values that you could never forget. And I have such people in my life that I still pray for. I pray for my math teacher in secondary school almost every day. I stand as an engineer today because of that man. I was almost giving up on mathematics when uh, we, we uh, as a child, I was taken to the States to go, to the United States to go with my father who was studying at that time. And then we got back to my home country, Nigeria, and the system was very different. And I was just in what we'll call year eight today. The system was very different. Everything changed. The way we learned algebra just a few months before, everything changed. And I was really lost. So the first two terms, I did woefully mathematics, and I thought that was going to be my lot, that I couldn't pass maths again. But this God-sent man picked me out of the class, and he said, I want to help you because I know you have a potential to pass mathematics and do even greater things. And he began to give me extra classes and things. He stretched me quite a lot, and before I knew it, I became an A student, and I was able to go on and study up to three different degrees in heavily mathematically inclined subjects and disciplines. So I really want to thank God. And I believe that these people, whether they're our teachers or people who do research or people who publish those works, are given to us to celebrate as part of what 
God is sent to mankind to advance mankind. Now, before I go too further into who they are and what their specialties are, I want to emphasize that every one of these things, as we find commonality in the Word of God, we find that we also have a role to play. Every one of us is called to teach. Every one of us is called to research. And I'm going to explain that shortly. Every one of us is called to publish. Every one of us is called as Christians to participate in these vocational gifts at different levels. For example, the Bible says, train up a child the way he should go, and when he grows, he will not depart from it. That training is something that every parent must do. We don't leave it to the teachers alone. We don't leave it to Sunday school teachers alone. In fact, it's much more predominant with parents. So in that realm, we are teachers, we are educators. So I want you to understand that as we look at these gifts and we celebrate the people who practice them professionally, and we learn about what they do and pray for them, we must understand that we have bits and bobs in our own individual lives to contribute as well. So God has given to every one of us these giftings, and um, they are basically expressed in the very many vocational activities we undertake. So we have a duty, like we read in Matthew chapter 25 about the parable of the talents. We have a duty to outwork these gifts. Say, I have a duty to outwork whatever gift God has given to me. When we read, those of you that are watching uh, or listening to the audio uh, version of this message and those that might have come later on in the service today, we read from Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 30. Very powerful scripture that we famously call the parable of the talents that Jesus gave. Jesus said three people were called by a man who had talents. The three people, there was one that was given five talents, there was another one that was given two talents, and another one was given one talent. The Bible says the one with the five went and traded with it, and he got a commendation. The one with the two went and traded with it and got a commendation. The one with the one said the Lord who gave them that thing is an austere man, that he reaps where he does not sow. And many of us have found it very difficult to, reco- to reconcile that particular bit of the parable with God in terms of God, the talent person. Now, God is not wicked, but the truth is that God puts into people and expects people to go and trade with those things. So God is very much likened to that man. He's not austere. He's not wicked like that man with the one talent called him. But God will not come down to do what he is committing to man to do. The duty I am doing here today, right now at this point in time, is what he put inside me to go and do. He's not going to come down from heaven and stand here and do it physically. So, in a way, he, does not, he, he, he reaps where he does not sow per se, but he has already sowed something. What that man failed to realize is that the one talent he was given was originally a property of his God. How many people understand what I'm saying? It was originally a property of his Lord, and that Lord gave him that one talent and is expecting him to at least go and put it to a place where it can yield interest. So when I say to us this morning that whatever we are celebrating, whatever is your area of vocational giftings, even though we are looking at this three today, I want you to know that God has put something in you. There is nobody... And I repeat, nobody on this earth that does not have a gift that can bless mankind. Nobody. Nobody. And so every one of us has a responsibility to serve 
so that we also can hear those words that we heard in Matthew 25, well done, good and faithful servant. This is what we must all seek to do. Let's read our key verses together. We've been reading these verses for the last few weeks, and we'll read them again. Second Peter chapter 1, from verse 10. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Do we have that? Thank you. Let's read together, everybody, one, two, go. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be... Okay, let's read verse 11. I was reading faster than you. Okay, let's go now. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, if you do what he has committed into your hands to do, you will not stumble. And then there will be an opening of the everlasting kingdom. Does that tally with Matthew 25? He said to that person, well done, good and faithful servant. You have made much of little. My paraphrase. He said, now enter into the rest of your Lord. That is the rest of the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, therefore, we should be more diligent to make that call an election sure, so that we cannot stumble and we find an entrance. Do you know that life is most fulfilling when you are doing what God has called you to do? No matter how hard that task may be. Have you noticed that when you are driving to the place of your passion, even if it's a five-hour drive, you have energy that you can't describe? When I'm up here doing this, you can't imagine. Many times I've not slept for hours. But the energy that comes on me doing this, and I've been like this for years, I don't know where it comes from. Because it is my calling. It's my calling. When you are in the place of your service, you cannot stumble. I say you will not stumble. God will give you the grace to stand and to be passionate about the things he has called you to do. And so my prayer to you, with you today, friends, is that God will help you to locate whatever it is you might have been told as a young person or even still being told that you are no good or you can't make anything out of life. I want you to know that God is not partial. He has put inside every one of us unique abilities that only you and only you has to manifest to this world. And may God help you and I to keep discovering those things in Jesus' name. So in connection with our theme today, I want to just quickly say, educators serve to impart knowledge and values. This is primarily what educators or teachers do. Regardless of their levels, whether it's primary school level, whether it's secondary school, university, or whether it is just a family where you have parents, like I said, training children. Everyone who is an educator is doing one principal purpose imparting knowledge and values and so we must value what they do for that researchers are people who serve to keep adding to the knowledge that has already been discovered everyone who researches a subject or in a subject area is given that grace by god to keep exploring through different activities through observation how the knowledge that has currently existed can be increased there was a time just about 100 years ago, that the knowledge that was in this world was that it was impossible to have vehicles, that it was impossible for man to have more than cycles, bicycles, until a man called Henry Ford decided 
to keep trying and keep trying. And then he got the first automobile built in the United States. And that went on for about 40 years. And man thought he had known everything about transportation. But people kept on researching. The Wright brothers came on board and said, if it is possible to move on ground, it must be possible to fly in the air. And everybody said, oh no, this is now madness. <laughs> this is now madness. Because, you see, when you have the ability of a researcher, you are always thinking about pushing frontiers and helping humanity to leverage the next level of knowledge that God has already given to man, but many others cannot flow in. Thank God those brothers did not give up. And they flew their planes, and today, the rest is history in the world of aviation. And so I want to say to you today that people who are called into research are people who have, over the years, been people who contribute to breaking uh, new barriers and helping man to advance. About 20 years ago, just 18 years precisely this month when I got to this country, the telephone I had is about four times this size. And it was very cool those days. It was one of those that had a very thick plastic antenna like that. I'm sure you all use, some of you use those things. <laughs> you couldn't put it in your pocket. It would tear your pocket apart. So you had to carry it about like that or in a bag. <laughs> but do you know, we thought that was very cool then. Because before that time, I saw a mobile phone that was actually like a suitcase. How many of you ever saw those? Some of you are saying, never. It happened. It happened. You know that? It was like a suitcase. My boss back in Nigeria had one of those in the early 90s. And he was cool because I don't think there were up to 50 people that had that kind of phone then. He carried it like in a suitcase and uh, everywhere he went, the phone could ring. And we were like, this is wonderful. <laughs> but today we're talking about smartphones and we're even talking about new smartphones that is just going further and further into sophistication of the technologies that can abound because of researchers who are refusing to stop at whatever we have known so far. And then we have publishers. Their role is to continue to translate every information that, has, that is coming out from research into uh, things that people can read about and understand. Now, God expects us to use all these oratory and literal skills, if he has given them to us, with diligence, so that we can advance the gospel and every field of human endeavor to underpin his desire for mankind to know Jesus and enjoy abundant life. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And I want you to know that part of the things that help us to enjoy abundant life, apart from the supernatural peace and joy and uh, fruitfulness, and those things that God gives to us supernaturally, are also the good things of life. Those of you that may never have been exposed to life outside the Western world, particularly outside, say, this country, may not understand that there are loads of people around the world that are living life every day at standards that you cannot imagine, where they have to go for miles to get water, and where nothing like electricity exists where they are, where things are so different, where they do not understand what you call the Internet today. They are people, human beings like you, people who are also created by God, living at that realm of life, and they are living by it day by day. Now, the reality is that they are getting by, but that's not really, with the exposures that we have by God's grace and God's privilege here, that's not really a level of life that you would imagine that God wants for mankind. And so I want you to understand that the privilege we have in order to be able to 
use these gifts of educating, researching, and publishing is one that we must not take lightly. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Let's read that. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. The Bible says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of what? The manifold grace of God. It is my responsibility and your responsibility to use my gift to minister to others. Verse 11. Verse 11. If anyone speaks, let him do what? Speak as the oracles of God. If anyone teaches, let him teach seriously as the oracles of God. Many of us think this refers only to ministering in church. Predominantly, yes. But if you are a teacher, if you are an educator, teach with a passion. Teach as somebody who has been sent of God to deliver something that is adding knowledge to people. I am always passionate to teach people in my profession. When I teach, I'm always passionate to teach them about the things I already know about the profession. Tell them the mistakes I've made over the years and tell the youngsters not to repeat the same. And tell them to leverage the new advancements and and developments of their day that we didn't have 20 years ago, 30 years ago. It's a passion that you must put in. He said, if you speak, speak as the oracles of God. Don't take that job lightly. You don't know the next person that is going to emerge from those group of people that you are teaching. And it's the same way, as I've said over and over again, if you are a parent here, you must teach your children the ways of God and the things of life with a passion. Model it for them. I've told you, it is easier to see your children see you pray than for you to tell them to pray. If you tell them to pray and they've never seen you praying, you will struggle some more. But if they've they've ever seen you praying, it's easier for you to tell them to pray. It's easier for you to teach them to pray because you know how to pray. So we must minister as oracles of God. If you minister, do it as with the ability God supplies. Not as much as you would want to do it, but as God gives you a passion to do it. That what? In all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. In the name of Jesus. God himself demonstrated the importance of education, research, and publishing to us ever since man was created. We don't have time to go into all these scriptures, but you can note them down. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God educated Adam about his life in the garden. He said to him, be fruitful, multiply. Verse 28, Genesis 1, 28, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. But you know something? God also said to him that in this garden I've placed you, you can have everything. Everything freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For the day you eat of it, you shall die. That was God's first instruction to man, or first set of instructions to man. And we see from that simple example that God is interested in instructing people, in teaching people, and so he originated education. Noah was educated in Genesis chapter 6 about how he would build an ark. Don't forget, as at the point Noah was alive, there's no record of people being taught engineering, people being taught architecture. And I've always preached this everywhere I went in life, that it struck me one day that God taught Noah about what he was going to build and also put the engineering sense into him. Because, friends, for you to put, for you to measure out 50 cubits of a material... To even know the material and know how to cut it to size and measure it out, you must have a bit of technical skills. The Bible never told us that Noah went to any school to learn it. 
but the word of God has the capacity to speak and to make happen. Amen. <laughs> so when God said to him, you will make it 50 cubits, he was not just giving him the dimension, he was also giving him the wisdom and the knowledge to know how, what a cubit would mean and how it would fit. And that means to us today that if we rely on our supernatural grace, if we rely on God's grace, he can still speak to us, even in our professions, to be able to do things that are beyond the ordinary. Abraham was asked to research. You say, how? When God told him to observe the sands of the seashore in Genesis chapter 13. When God told him to look at the stars in the sky in Genesis chapter 15. God was telling him, observe. If you can make that observation and you can draw inference about the impossibility of counting the number of the sands, of counting the number of the stars, then you will be able to relate to what I'm about to do in your life. And this is purely what researchers do today. They observe. They observe. They test. They check. Then they publish what they found for people to see how it can happen. And so we must understand that none of these things, none of these professions do not have their origins from God. Today, man will build super, super powerful uh, telescopes and periscopes and look right across into the galaxies and come out and tell us that it is impossible to count the stars. Is that a new thing? God has already said it from Genesis chapter 15 that it is impossible to count the stars. So they tell us that there are billions and billions of them uh, and um, so on and so forth. All the subjects of research today, the fields of research today, like a field called paleontology, which has to do with the study of dinosaurs, these huge creatures that lived many, many years ago that we cannot really find their existence, uh, traces of their existence anymore other than the bones that people had managed to find. I was privileged as a kid to visit Denver Museum in the United States, which is one of the museums that has done very well in uh, stocking all the bones of these animals, the Stegosaurus, the Brontosaurus, and all these uh, animals, the mammoth, this one that looks exactly like an elephant, but is about 60 times the size of the biggest elephant you can imagine today. And these animals truly lived on the face of the earth. We don't have time, but if you go into Job chapter 40, verse 15, and Job chapter 41 from verse 1, you will find the evidence that these animals truly existed as they were described as the Leviathan and also the behemoth in the Bible. So God himself has already put these things in place. We know very well that God instituted the water cycle. How do I know that? Many of us learned about the water cycle from primary school, and a lot of people are studying it at advanced levels today. But many of us do not understand. When God said in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10, that as the rain and the snow come down, and does not return unto me void, but accomplishes the purpose for which it has been sent. So is my word. What was he talking about? He's talking about the water cycle that the scientists today are still struggling to understand. When rain falls, we know it goes into the ground. It makes crops grow. Crops grow, and we today say there is a process of evapotranspiration that releases that moisture back into the atmosphere, and it forms rain again and comes back. What God is saying is that that is, this, that is what I have, this, I have put in nature from the beginning. So we encourage research because research simply should comprehend and complement what God has done. Friends, I want you to know that God is not against science. Anyone who's, who comes 
against science and says that science is not of God or any form of research. It may not be science. It could be research into history. God is not against those things. What God is against is anything that seeks to glorify man rather than glorifying God. This is why the Tower of Babel, I believe, was not an accident. Those people were building a tower by God's wisdom. They were about to build it. And I believe very strongly, this is not written in the Bible, but I believe very strongly that if only they had said, we are going to build this tower and uh, the name of our God will be glorified. I am very, very sure that wherever it is, that, that tower would have been existing today. Again, they said, let us build this tower and make a name for ourselves. I believe that's where they missed it. Because God said, if we don't go down to stop them, they will stop this thing. Because they are about to use the gift I have given them to be creative. But we have to stop them because what they want to do is against us. Talking about the Trinity. If the man, if man today is doing research that complements the message of the abundant life, that is not seeking to alter the genes of man or make man few sexes and things like that, God will continue to support such research. If man is investing into research that is about to stop sickle cell anemia and destroy the, the roots of cancer and remove those kind of cells that are damaging and ravaging man today, God is fully behind it. What God is not with is Darwinism that is trying to propose that man did not come from a creation of God, but rather man came from monkeys. Because God did not create man from monkeys. God created man from the dust of the earth. And he created monkeys at the same time. Praise the Lord. So we must understand any science that is for God is by God. Any science that is perverted by the enemy to try to be against God is nothing other than an orchestration of the wicked one who always seeks to pervert the things that God does. So let us not get it wrong. I have heard many times people condemn Christians using tablets and smartphones with their phones. To even put things on social media these days, somebody was put something and it went a bit viral and uh, was holding up and he held up a phone like this. He said, what is this? They said, it's a telephone. And he held up a, a, a Bible, a Bible, printed Bible. And he said, what is that? He said, it's a Bible. And he said, you see, that is a Bible and this is a phone. That this can never be a Bible. I said, what, what, what is this kind of thing in 2018? was really infuriated by it. The church is always on the back foot. Do you know that the Bible that the person is saying is the Bible was not like that at some point. There was a time when the Bible did not exist at all. It only exists as scrolls and parchments. And they had to have them in a heap like this, book by book. That's the type that Jesus read in Luke 14, uh, Luke 4, 18. Go and read it. The Bible says they gave him the scroll. You know the scroll? They, they roll it like that. Each one can only contain maybe 10 verses because they use hand to write it. It was modernization that brought about the synthesis of all those texts together, fusing with modern technology to be able to print them in small print and print on paper. They used to initially print on, on animal skin. Then the first Bibles were, were this big. Yeah? The first Bibles were this huge. Then after they discovered paper, they started printing on paper. So it is modernization that has even that Bible that the person is saying is the real Bible, if he wants to go back to the roots of it. <laughs> the believers, those of us that are old enough will remember growing up how people used to 
come against things like television and so on and so forth. Believers do not want to leverage technology every time. And the world seizes advantage of that and uses it for negative things. The devil did not give man the idea for radio, for television, for the internet. The devil did not. God gave that wisdom because he wants his message that he has commanded the commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Today, we preach here and we get messages from the United Arab Emirates. We get messages from Italy. We get messages from Canada. We get messages from Africa about people listening to our messages. People t- texting me whilst we put things on social media almost within two minutes. People texting me to say, oh, brother Dave, God bless you. Well done. This is looking good. People right there in my country of birth. And it cost us little or nothing. 20 years ago, believers that attempted to publish the word like this, 30 years ago, paid thousands, hundreds of thousands to get on satellite television. Believers must understand that what God is doing to bring about research and to advance things is for one purpose, to allow his word to spread quicker so that mankind can truly come to the place of enjoying abundant life. And may God continue to give us the wisdom to embrace them all. In the name of Jesus. So we're going to use smartphones. I've been using smartphones to preach since the year 2005. The very first possible smartphone that was a Windows phone that I had that could have a Bible on it. Because 10 years before that time, I had Bibles on CDs. I've been a busy man, so I'm always listening to the Bible. I listen to the Bible on, on, when I drive, and I found that that was a very good invention. I thought that would be the best thing to happen. Today now, my, my phone can, 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 can pair with my car and just start playing the Bible to me. Beautiful stuff. I'm waiting for those goggles that you put on and you just be looking. You think I'm looking at you, but I'm reading the Bible. <laughs> you know those smart goggles? That's what I'm waiting for now. So when you see me stand here with dark goggles, you think I'm posing. No, I'm reading my Bible. <laughs> I'm waiting for those days. And it will happen very soon. We must not shy away from technology and what research is proposing. Let's engage with it so that the world does not take more advantage of it than we will. And the Lord will keep helping us in Jesus' name. The Bible says that we who are educators must be exemplary. Titus chapter 2 verse 7. It said, in all things, show yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility. This is some trait that teachers must have. Teaching is not just about passing across knowledge. As I said, it's about passing across values. And these values are more or better passed across when we are able to do them by examples. Luke chapter 6 verse 40 says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained. Somebody say perfectly trained. So as teachers, whether we are teaching our children, teaching our youngsters, mentoring young people, or teaching in a classroom, we must endeavor to teach perfectly. Because it is people who will be perfectly trained that will come to the status we are in. We cannot expect people to embrace what we have as teachers if we do not endeavor to teach perfectly. As Christian researchers, we must seek to advance the frontiers of knowledge for the betterment of humanity, but much more for the advancement of the kingdom of God. We read from Genesis chapter 30 about the story of uh, Jacob. I'll just paraphrase it. Jacob, as we know, was to leave his father-in-law, Laban, and uh, who also happens to be his uh, uh, uncle. And uh, Laban was trying to cheat Jacob. He didn't want to let him go. 
and he had served him, has married two of his daughters, even though he wanted to marry one. He ended up living with four women from the same house because he went there to look for one. But somehow, he loved that one so much, every condition they gave him, he kept on fulfilling it. Married the first one, they gave him the maid, he said, bring it. I just want this one, I love this one so much. Married that one, they gave him another maid. So he left that place with four women. He went to marry one. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the four of them gave birth to all the children uh, that we know as the 12 tribes of Israel today. But you know something? The man did not want Jacob to go because Jacob was being, uh, the house was being blessed. God gave Jacob the ability to research and to use three trees. The poplar tree, the um, chestnut, and also the almond. That these three trees, he should cut their branches and make a white stripe on them. That as long as he puts it in the trough where the animals were drinking water, that they will crossbreed and they will produce spotted, they will produce speckled, speckled and they will produce brown. That, and they will produce potted, sorry. So that these animals were now, and then he, Jacob went into an agreement with the man. I don't have time now, you can read it if you have not. Genesis chapter 29, chapter 30 and 31. And God gave him that wisdom to do that research. As the animals were drinking, they were, they were embracing that gene. And as they were mating, they were reproducing after those patterns. A deep mystery of uh, biogenetics that was never taught by human being. What does this mean to us today? We must understand that those of us who are practically in the field of research can trust God for supernatural wisdom. We, I say we can trust God for supernatural wisdom. We can trust God for supernatural insights. Those of us who are doing things, everything you are doing to look for a solution is research. You just need to know how to press into the things of God. The Bible says in Job chapter 32, verse 7, he said, I said age should speak, and the multitude of years should teach wisdom, but there is a spirit in man. Somebody say, there is a spirit in man. And the breath of the Almighty does what? Gives him understanding. The spirit of God will keep giving you understanding. I say it will keep giving you understanding. In the name of Jesus. Research is not just restricted to labs. And those things that we call research outputs. Finding alternative solutions. Your day-to-day -day tasks in finding alternative solutions to what you do. To do it better. Is birthed in the place of research. Take time to look for things that can make you work smarter. Take time to look for things that can make you more productive. Do your own research about how to run your family better. Finally, as Christian publishers, we must seek to use our gift to spread the good news. The work of publishing is not left to those who be people who produce books alone, but is also in the hands of every one of us. First John chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. We write it to you that your joy may be full. We must seek to engage every form of available media today. I've touched on that. We must also engage with emerging technologies so that our message will be transgenerational. Our message will cut across the strata of society. We must know that the world is very dynamic. And if we want our message and the things God is helping us to know to be impacted to generations beyond us, we must engage 
so that in reach and time, our messages will continue to be relevant. We have to wake up, church, and pray for the brethren who are in this field. And those of us who are not, in whatever capacity God gives us, let us continue to engage. Christian educators, researchers, and publishers are destined by prophecy to be great in quantity and in quality. I read Psalm 68, verse 11. The Bible says the Lord gave the word. Psalm 68, verse 11. The Lord gave the word, and great was the company of those who proclaimed it. Great means, you see the capital G there, it means they are of God. It means they will do things in their large quantities and in the qualitative terms. Let us not let God down, because God wants to speak much more through us to our world. And may God continue to give us the wisdom to do so, in the name of Jesus. I want us to rise to our feet today and just trust God. Where?